Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. Are y'all ready for the Bible today? All right. Psalm 42, verse 1 says this, As a deer pants for the streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirst for you, for the living God. Where can I go to meet with God? I love this psalm, which is a song, and it's a great prayer, like this hunger and thirst and desire to be with God, because the reality is there are things that God can do in our lives that only God can do. Amen? Nothing else can do the God things that God can do in our lives. Let's take a moment, let's pray. Father, we love you and we worship you today and we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you for the ability to come and to worship together and we thank you, God, for your provision and the way that you meet with us. And today, Lord, we declare our love for you, our allegiance to you, and we want to hear from you. I pray, Father, for the empowerment and the leading of your spirit, Lord. I just pray, God, that you'll help me to communicate what is in your heart through your word today, uh, nothing more and nothing less. And uh, Lord, we love you and worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are completing um, a seven-day fast as a church, and people have decided kind of what they're going to fast, whether it was a meal or meals or caffeine or sugar or uh, social media or YouTube. And I am here to testify, I have not received any hate mail. So thank you for that. I appreciate that. Um, but, you know, actually this morning in prayer, uh, the prayer team at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock this morning, um, we had some great testimonies of just what, people, what God was doing in people's lives through the thing that they fasted. And, of course, uh, we taught last week about how when you fast something, you replace it with time with the Lord and in His Word, right? And that's an enriching, like that's such a good formula right there, right? We humble ourselves. Um, and then again in the 10 o'clock in our um, John class th- this morning, some great testimonies of what God was doing. And I pray that it was a life-giving experience for you because it really honors God when we choose to humble ourselves, especially when we do it for the purpose of seeking Him and knowing Him more. Amen? And I just want to encourage you, you know, as we're wrapping up today's last day, I want to encourage you to capture what you have learned to capture what the Lord has revealed to you, uh, however you capture it. Some of you are phone note people. Throw a note in your phone. Some of you are, um, you know, journal people, right? You're going to write it down in a journal. Some of you, you know, you need to get inked up or something for it, you know, and that kind of thing. Um, I'm still awaiting my ink. I haven't had the revelation yet of my ink. Um, so, but then, you know, that's what all the cool pastors do. And, you know, that's such a goal of mine is to be cool, it's a long-term goal, though. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, very good. You know, you've probably noticed, like, in the last 10, 20 years, there's been this phenomenon of these prayer rooms that have opened up, not just in our nation, but around the world. When I say prayer rooms, I mean, like, places that are dedicated to prayer all the time um, and where people can come and pray, and there are movements where people are praying, you know, 24 hours a day, and you know, hopefully our homes are a place of prayer, amen, in our, in our lives and our, our patterns. 
But I want to start a new series today with you, with our, our theme of prayer for the year of 2023. I want to talk to you about an, another analogy about prayer rooms. You know how in your home you have rooms, amen? And in your home, you have various rooms for various purposes. You have the dining room, and you have the family room, and you have the kitchen, and you have the bedroom, and you have the bathroom. All of these rooms have their purposes. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you an analogy of this idea of prayer rooms. And what I mean by that is that each room in this proverbial house, if you will, is a different kind of prayer, a different type of prayer. There's the, the war room. And, you know, the war room prayer sounds differently than the intercessory prayer room. It sounds differently than the praise and worship prayer room. It sounds different than the solitary and quiet prayer room. And what I find is that most of us um, are comfortable in one or two rooms, like we, whether it's our culture, church background, what have you, we have experience in some of these rooms of prayer, if you will, and types of prayer, but maybe we haven't branched out or explored some of the other rooms. And so over this series, what I'm going to do is talk to you about different types of prayer. And what's wonderful is that the Holy Spirit will lead you in how to pray. Amen. And what's great is our prayer and our prayer lives does not have to be stale and mundane and rote and from a standpoint of where it's just like the same thing every time. And you probably hear me when I pray for the message on Sunday. There's, there's a couple of, of uh, categories I always hit when I'm praying for the message. I'm always praying for open hearts so that we're, we are confessing that we're ready to hear from the Lord. And I'm always asking the Lord for the empowerment of the Spirit, right? Because to me, those are the most two important things when we're about to dive into the Word of God. And what I want to do in this series is have us visit some other rooms to grow our repertoire, if you will, of prayer. Amen? So today what I want to do is I want to start with the war room. Give me a moment. I've got to make an adjustment on my phone so that my timer goes up. Did you all know that I time when I'm preaching? That's because I love you. And... Um, and I think it's harder work to preach short than it is to preach long, personally, um, to really to get it across in a short manner. So now I can see my timer. We're at six minutes and five seconds, for those of you who are curious. Um, and so we're going to dive in this morning to Acts chapter 12, and we're going to look into the Word to let the Word teach us about this concept of that intensity of prayer where it is in a war room and an authority-type prayer. Amen? All right, we are way too quiet today. Y'all, y'all are going to have to wake up for me. So we're just going to do a little bit of a practice here. Can I hear an amen? amen. All right. Would you put your arm like this? All right. Just do a wave like that. All right. And which we're going to do, I'll do it first. Should you go? Come on. Come on. You ready? Ready? One, two, three. Come on. All right. Just kind of that interactive because, yeah, a little life. Um, one of my favorite is, you know, one of our, our folks at Victory likes to go, Jesus, and I'm like, oh, I feel like I'm preaching when I hear that being exclaimed in, in the room, Jesus, and so you go for it, right, and Tana normally takes me up on my offer at some point, right, in the message, and so Tana, I'm, I'm, I'm counting on you, but I'm not putting pressure on you, amen? See, that was an easy one for you. All right, Acts chapter 12, verse 1 says this, it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. 
When he saw that this was met with the approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, talking about Peter, he put him in the prison, handing him over to the guard by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. So what's happening in this scripture is King Herod is making this move to actively persecute Christian leaders. So he gets James. Now that's James, brother of John, which James and John were the sons of thunder, right? They are the the people who um, uh, were Jesus' disciples, two of the 12 disciples. Um, He is arrested in this scripture, and he is put to death by the sword. And so Herod is emboldened by this because of the approval of the Jews. And he's like, you know what? People like this, and I like it when people like me. And so his plan is, okay, let's do some more of this because I want some more approval. And we're going to put these Christians, if you will, in their place. And so he arrests Peter. He goes from, if you will, one big dog to another big dog. I mean, Peter is a major leader of the church, right? And he gets Peter in jail, and he decides, I'm going to wait until after the Passover, and then I'm going to have a public trial so people know that I am doing this. And this is one of those moments in history, if you will, where darkness and evil is making its move and advancing. I don't think Herod had this idea on his own. There is certainly some demonic uh, activity going on that is saying, you know what, let's go ahead and obliterate this church. Let's stop the advancement of what is going on. And you know, it is a big deal that James has been martyred. We saw a few uh, chapters before that uh, Stephen was the first martyr. This idea of killing the Christians for their faith And, you know, Peter is such a vital part of what's going on. And so now let's look in verse 5 and see how the church responds. I'll give you a cheat. How do you think the church responds to what's happening to Peter? They pray, right? Because we're in a script, we're in a series called Prayer, right? Okay, about prayer rooms. All right, verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying. Would you say the word earnestly? Earnestly, y'all, y'all earnestly praying is not like this. Now, I like a quiet prayer. I actually have been learning to enjoy silent prayer as well. But there are times when you need a little bit of noise because you're feeling. Thank you, Tana. Tana, I appreciate you. But there are some times. When you need a little bit of emotion in your prayer, there's some times when you need a little bit of force in your prayer, not because you're conjuring it up or making it up, because you're feeling it, right? Like when you're going like, no, not my kids, right? Like you don't go, oh, Lord, please protect my kids. No, Lord, protect my kids, right? you got some feeling in there. They're earnestly praying. Verse 6, the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains. The sentry stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared. Oh, no. Right? Come on. Right? Suddenly, an angel of the Lord. Thank you. And the light shone in the cell, and he struck Peter on the side and woke him up. He said, quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrist. What was the church doing? Oh, they weren't just praying. They were earnestly 
praying, right? The church's response to this, this affront of the enemy was this warfare kind of prayer, right? And what does the Lord do? He responds by sending an angel from heaven to Peter to release him from jail. Now, I got to tell you, prayers are meaningful and prayers mean something, right? Sometimes you have to go to battle, Not every time, not all the time, but there are times when you have to have that war room cry where you lift up your voice or you lift up your heart, you express to the Lord, Lord, I need you to come and to do this thing. Now, to do that, we have to discern when we're battling darkness. We have to, um, at that moment, combat the darkness with prayer, because y'all, y'all, not every prayer is a war room prayer. Not every bad thing that happens in your life is the devil. I'm going to rewind and say that again. Not every bad thing that happens in your life is the devil, right? right? We live in a broken world. We make bad decisions. There's a whole lot of activity going on in the world. That's why I use the word discern. Discern means to understand by the Holy Spirit or to understand from the Lord what is going on? I've told the story so many times when Elizabeth and I had about $1,000 of bills. It was about our first or second year of marriage, and I was overwhelmed. I was like, oh, God, what have I done wrong? Or is this the devil sending me these bills in the mail? What is going on? And Elizabeth sitting next to me. She goes, maybe it's just life, Mike. And it was like the word of the Lord. I know that sounds so silly, but I was just so earnest, like, what's going on? What have I done? It was like, simmer down. It's just life. But sometimes you discern and you realize that the enemy of your soul is working. And the enemy needs to be stood against in the Lord's authority and in his name. Ephesians 6, 12 says it this way. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. Now, what I'm not encouraging you today to do is to be the, you know, the, the uh, Christian cowboy who now you go demon hunting, right? And you're like looking for a fight. That will not go well for you. Uh, I don't have time to get all into that right now, but it will not go well for you. You don't go looking for a fight, but I'm going to tell you something. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you are a follower of hers, and the enemy comes to your door, I guarantee you the Lord Jesus will give you authority against him coming against you. You don't go looking for a fight, but when it comes to you, by golly, you can make a stand. And you can say, the Lord rebuke you, Satan, just like it says in the book of Jude. Another scripture in 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4, it says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. You see, when we speak after the Lord and when we pray in the Lord's authority and when we say, God, come and intervene, what we're doing is we're stepping into the role of authority that God places us in as his believers. He is our authority, and we speak on behalf of the king and say, you have to go. You are not allowed to have my kids. You are not allowed to have my workplace. You are not allowed to come against me in this area. I stand against you, and I am under authority, and so you have to go. Amen? You know, 
I want to take you to another scripture in the Old Testament, Daniel chapter 10. This one is more complicated, and so I wanted to start with Acts chapter 12, uh, where Peter is taken to jail, and there's this martyrdom happening and this persecution coming against the church. But in, in Daniel chapter 10, 10, there's another story, if you will, where we see this war room activity in the realm of the Spirit. I'll show it to you. And this prayer that is going on, and it involves angels again. Isn't that interesting? Daniel chapter 10, but it's okay if we read a lot of the Bible in church? Okay. Daniel chapter 10, verse 1 says, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a revelation was given to Daniel, who was called Belshazzar. It was a message, its message was true, and it concerned a great war. The understanding of the message came to him in a vision. At that time, I, Daniel, mourned for three weeks. I ate no choice food, no meat, no wine touched my lips, and I used no lotions until the three weeks was over. Daniel entered into a time of fasting and prayer. Sound familiar? Right? And so he goes into this time of prayer. And how long did he pray, church? Three weeks. Good, we're going to come back to that. So Daniel, he's got this revelation, and he responds this way. And then in verse 4, it says this, On the 24th day of the first month, as I was standing on the bank of the great river, the Tigris, I looked up, and before me was a man dressed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Upaz around his waist. His body was like topaz, his face like lightning. His, this is not just a regular human being here, folks. His eyes are like flaming torches. His arms and his legs, the, uh, the gleam of the burnishing bronze, and his voice sounded like the multitude. I, Daniel, was the only one who saw the vision. Those who were with me did not see it, but terror overwhelmed them, and they fled and hid themselves. So I was left alone, gazing at this vision. I had no strength left, and my face turned deathly pale, and I was helpless. Then I heard him speaking, and as I listened to him, I fell into a deep sleep, my face to the ground. So Daniel is at the Tigris. He has this vision. No one else around him sees it, but they know something is going on, and the fear of the Lord comes upon them. And then Daniel, he goes into this deep sleep, and then in verse 10, a hand touched me and sent me trembling with my hand, from my hands and knees. He said, Daniel, you are highly esteemed. Carefully consider the words I am about to speak to you and stand up, for I have now been sent to you. And when he said this to me, I stood trembling. Then he continued, do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day, would you all say first day? Since the first day, that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself, right? That's what uh, fasting does. Humble yourself before God. Your words were heard. Now, which, on which day did, were the words heard? First day, right? And I have come in response to them. Now, catch this, verse 13. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, talking about the angel, the archangel Michael, came to help me because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future. The vision concerns a time yet to come. So y'all, this is, this is intense what's going on here. Daniel has this vision of this heavenly being, probably an angel, right? And the angel notes that Daniel's prayer 
uh, timeline was three weeks. Since the first day you set your mind to gain understanding and humble yourself. And then later on it says, but the prince of Persia resisted him for 21 days. You math wizards out there, how long is three weeks? I'll tell you what, we got some smart people here at Victory Christian Church. Um, There was a spiritual battle going on while Daniel prayed. Catch that? From the first day Daniel prayed, he was heard. This messenger was released to come and to explain the vision and to interact, but he was he was uh, detained by the prince of Persia, uh, Persia. A, demonic, a, a demonic entity was at war with this other uh, angelic being, if you will, and there was this resistance until the archangel Michael came and fought and released this person. All the while this is going on, what is Daniel doing? He's fasting and? Right. There's this parallel that's going on. You know, there... There are times when you have prayed and an answer has been released. It just hasn't got to you yet. Sometimes we think when we're praying, God, where's the answer? God, what are you doing? But you know, we see in the scripture something that we know, but we don't know. There are things that we don't see. There are things going on that we don't know. We get this hindsight bias, right? We read this story, we're like, oh, Daniel, silly Daniel, don't you know, when you first started praying, like the answer was released, brother, it's on its way, right? And it's like this kind of like, uh, like we know, but you know, when you're facing it and when you're praying and when you're seeking the Lord and you're like, when's the answer coming? When's the Lord going to move? The thing you need to know is from the first day you prayed, you were heard. And what I love is that Daniel prayed and he prayed and he continued to pray. And I don't think he prayed sheepishly. I don't think he prayed in a weak manner because the revelation had to do with a war that was going on. Later on, uh, this angelic being would kind of finish the story and say, well, this prince is going to get kicked out and this other one's going to come in. And he reveals it to Daniel that it's all in a time to come. I want to tell you today that there is sometimes time that is happening, but I want to encourage you not to back away from the battle. Don't back away and concede to the enemy. Don't back away and say, I guess you just get this one. I guess you get this kid of mine. Well, I guess you get this relationship at my work. I guess you get you know, this situation and I'm just going to you know, throw it because I'm just not seeing an answer. Sometimes you need to just keep at it and keep praying. Now, I keep reiterating, not every prayer is a war room prayer. And I, and I say this gently because I don't want to be accusatory, but I've met some Christians that every room, every uh, prayer is a wartime prayer. And it's tiring. And it's not actually appropriate. Because not everything is the devil, right? Hey, will you pray for the meal? Lord, I rebuke the calories. And I rebuke the devil who would even come and try to get me sick. And it's like every prayer is a war room prayer. I'm like, just thank him for the food kind of thing, right? That's why it just, it takes some discernment. And it takes some practice. Sometimes when you're, you know, when I'm talking about a war room prayer, some of us are going, I don't, I don't know that I've prayed very often like that. Like that is an unfamiliar room to me. That's okay. You don't need to go in there and to make it up and to fabricate something. What you can do is say, Lord, 
as you are revealing some areas where the enemy is trying to take, where the enemy is trying to do his mission, steal, kill, destroy. It's a very simple mission that he has. Kill, steal, destroy. Where he's trying to bring death, where he's trying to steal, where he's trying to destroy things, I'm going to take my stand. Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They are not flesh and blood. The weapons of our warfare, they are spiritual. But they, they demolish strongholds. And there's a, there's a confidence that comes as you know the Lord and as you look into Scripture. And he says things about you like you're a royal priesthood, a chosen people, right? Set apart for the Lord. You go, who, me? Well, that's what the Word is saying about you. I'm not making stuff up. That's what the Word is saying. And you see, the, the Lord wants you to take dominion and wants you to t- take a step forward because they're just like in your own home, like you would defend your own home and you would defend your own child. Like we get this in the natural, but it translates in the spiritual that you would want to defend and to stand against what the enemy would come against, right? And so the way that we develop that is we say, Lord, help me to discern not everything is a demon, right? And help me to have confidence that when you show me to pray, give me a scripture to pray or show me how, Lord God, to, to say these words in a way that's authentic. And yes, I'm willing to put my emotions and you know, kind of put them on the table as well. And, but it's got to be you and it's got to be you, your work. And I realize that it's not me who has the power. It is your power in me, your power working through me. It's your kingdom advancing. And God advances his kingdom through people. And so we grow and we learn in it. We, we, we develop our, our, those muscles in an authentic way. But I tell you what, when the enemy comes against your camp, you are not powerless. You are not powerless. And what I find in situations, <clears throat> I'm just going a little deeper with this, is there are times when the enemy is involved And then there's the prayer about the enemy. Lord, I rebuke you from this house. Or not, Lord, I rebuke you from this household. (laughs) At least I caught it. (laughs) Lord, I rebuke the enemy from this household. He has got to go. I don't talk to demons. I don't hang out with you. I don't go, your name is such and such, and you got, no, no, no. I just tell them they got to go. We're not having a conversation you got to go. But then what I find is that then sometimes when I'm praying, then the Lord will shift me and go, okay, Lord, give us wisdom as a people so that we're not as vulnerable to the enemy. Give us understanding of how to walk before you. And I pray for that household, God, that not only would the enemy have to flee, but that there would just be healthy boundaries for that family so that the enemy wouldn't feel so um, tempted or, or able to take advantage of that family. So I find that there's, it's almost like entering into another room, that prayer. And so there's the war room prayer, but sometimes then the Lord will go, okay, now, simmer down, I got some heart prayers for you i got some wisdom prayers for you. The beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit will lead you. You will pray smarter than you've ever prayed before when you just pause and let the Holy Spirit just give you that nudge and pray that way. And 
Of course, you got to fill yourself with the Word because what's beautiful is when you are praying the Word of God, you have confidence. I love in Jude where it says, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. I use that one a lot. The beauty of it is it says that in that scripture that they didn't, see, they didn't slander the, this demonic entity, but that they came under the lordship of Jesus and said, the Lord rebuke you. It's a beautiful phrase. One of my favorite scriptures when it comes to that realm of authority is Colossians 2, verse 15. It says, after, excuse me, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. You know, when Jesus was on the cross, he made this, this sentence right there at the end. He said, it is finished. And I got to tell you, when he said that, it was a lot that was getting finished. The purchase of your salvation, the ability for, for us to, um, to move and to live the way we have and, and to have the Holy Spirit empower us for living so many things, your, your healing on the cross, so many things happen when it is finished. What this scripture is saying is that when Jesus went to the cross for you, he disarmed the powers of, and authorities that war against your life, and he triumphed over them in the cross. He triumphed over them in the cross. That that work is done. Now, they're still getting the message that you are disarmed and you are not allowed to have me. But sometimes we, we have to stand and go, you can't come against me. The, the, my Lord Jesus has already defeated you. He has already won the battle. You got to go. You must not have got the notice. Here, here's the notice. Starting off, uh, you know, our prayer room series with a, um, with an intense one, um, but I think part of it is to like kind of get us locked into the okay. There are different types of prayers. There are different ways to pray, and there are times to pray, and the Lord can teach you how to do that. And so we're going to close this morning by we all stand with me, and and I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna pray, and. You have permission to pray aloud with me, to amen, to pray your own prayer. You don't have to be quiet while we're praying, but uh, we're just going to take a moment and allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in prayer. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church.